Welcome to another episode of the Clay County Beacon Podcast. My name is Josh Allen, and today I have the pleasure of having with me Beth Clark, who is running for District 2 of the Clay County School Board. Uh, Beth has been with us before, and she has been gracious enough to come back to the podcast and spend some time with me. As She is currently uh, in a uh, runoff election on the general election ballot uh, in November for this school board seat. So, uh, Ms. Clark, thank you, first of all, for spending some time with us. Um, tell us a little bit about um, how things have been going, uh, you know, past couple months since we chatted. Well, thanks, Josh, uh, for having me in the first place on this this rainy day. It's a good time to to do this. Uh, it's been great. The number of people that we've met. I mean, everyone knows I got in into this very late. I think I filed on April seventeenth, and we were doing three, four, sometimes five events a, a week. Uh, getting a lot of variety out there, getting a lot of input from teachers, past administrators, concerned citizens, uh, got through the, the primary election, but sad to say, and one of the local news stations didn't help much, but most people think this race is over and it's not over. So the, I, I think I spent the first seven to ten days just trying to get the word out that it's not over and it got very quiet and people were shocked to see that we still go on so anyway that's good news and gives me a little bit more time to do my homework and study this this position and meet with more people so it's been great yeah definitely um you know i I don't, yeah, I don't think a lot of people understand the, the way that the non-party affiliated races go if there's not a person who gets 50% of the votes. So I too was happy to, to see, uh, just because for me, you know, it makes interesting content for content for my podcast that one of the, one of the elections wasn't settled. So selfishly for me, I was like, Oh, okay, cool. Something to talk about between now and November other than national level politics. So I got to ask you a question that people keep asking me. Um, you know, people have, have started to ask me whether or not you are associated with, um, you know, the infamous uh, Caracas family that, that likes to, you know, run a lot of campaigns for, for local elections. So is your campaign receiving any help or associated in any way with the Caracas family? Uh, I kind of find that laughable. Uh, if people know me, uh, my son is basically my campaign manager because, as I've said before, I'm not a politician, don't plan to be. And there is no way that I'm going to owe anybody anything when I get in. Uh, if I were to have certain people helping me, then it could come up later, well, we're the group that got you in, and now you know we want you to do this for us. And that's just not gonna happen. And that, I mean, I have had a lot of people ask, and uh, I know Michael is you know good at what he does and has asked uh, quite a few times, but I just, I don't have the funds to pay somebody, and I don't, I just want to do it on my own. I don't think it's that difficult to do. Uh, there's some things that obviously you have to learn the first go around in campaigning, but it's not that difficult. There's just, it's a lot of common sense is all. So no, I am not involved with Caracuses or anyone else. But thank you for asking, because I get that question a lot too. Yeah, I just want people to, 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 you know, don't take my word for it, right? Because, you know, a couple people have asked me and they're like, are you sure? I don't know. And I'm like, listen, I can tell you, you know, 100% certainty with the conversations I've had uh, with Beth Clark that that, that is well, not the case. And, and The but, funny part of the whole thing is that everybody is still questioning the third person that got into this who happened to get in three days after I did. 
uh, nobody really knows if he if he had his campaign run by Caracas. He's, he said he did not, but it's just very odd to me that three days after I got in and we ended up splitting the vote that he got in. So, you know, that that's the one that should be questioned and maybe checked out, but, but no, not me. Well, it's good to know. And I think that's one of the things that for me personally is most appealing about you is the fact that you seem to be uh, completely unattached from the, uh, the sort of entrenched, uh, political connections that are, that are in the county. So, uh, you know, I'm excited to see any candidate for any race run that, that isn't really connected to, to anybody who, who likes to pull strings behind the scenes. So uh, another question I get a lot, and this is sort of the main thing I want to talk about with you uh, early here in our conversation is, is people want to know what you're doing to prepare um, should you get elected to be ready to go as quickly as possible. Once you get into office, there, there are, you know, I think everybody sort of sees that, especially with the budgeting uh, in finance portion of um, the school school board and school district, they, there are some complexities there, right? So people want to know, they want to hear from Beth Clark to sort of understand like what, what you can do or what you are doing to, to be ready to go as soon as possible once you, once you get in that office. Uh, all along, and I think it's something that is difficult for all of us to understand, but we have to really learn how the state does their budgets. And even though we may save in one area, doesn't mean we can push it over to salaries or, or maintenance or something else that we want to do. So I've been trying, I've really been struggling in trying to get a lot of that information. And in fact, I had looked at uh, the budget enough brief, you know, the brief pieces that I could get a hold of. And that's why I've opposed the sales tax. Um, I opposed it in the TV debate. I've opposed it at any time the question came up. Um, I, what I saw was with the impact fee, number one, we don't, we don't go out there and, and pay cash for a, a new school. We're talking about five or seven that will be added here over the next few years to handle the, the uh, new growth. Well, with that new growth comes revenue, and people forget that. And if you have 30,000 homes built, that's 7,000 of that impact fee that's supposed to go for school buildings. And seven times 30,000, to me, that's, I think it's 210 million. So uh, the other portion is the maintenance. And I would like to ask the present board for the last 10, 15 years, we know some of that was the economy. But as the economy improved, improved, we should have been able to continue to, as we added buildings, whether it was Discovery Oaks or whatever out in Oakley, the new, the new buildings, obviously the proration of your maintenance expense should have gone up equally. And apparently it didn't. So uh, I think the money is there. It's just going elsewhere. People forgot about it. But as in other areas, what I've been doing, talking to a lot of teachers, past teachers, teachers that are unhappy and why they left. Uh, I went out last week and visited Maria at AMI, Associated Marine Institute, and apparently no, nobody goes out to see her or has gone out to see her and taken an interest, but it's a wonderful program. And she's got about 44 students out there that have just junior high specifically, maybe they did something dumb that they shouldn't have done and they got kicked out of that school and instead of going to Bannerman, 
they had a chance to, the boys had a chance to go to AMI and the girls go to Pace. Um, but right now, in fact, Maria is having, she was given her walking papers more or less, not her personally, but because Green Cove is growing, so they, they need her six portables and she doesn't know where she's gonna go. And so I've got to get out there and, and start asking some people that are in, in development that have property and such and see what we can do. I mean, Clay has a million portables. That's always been the big complaint. Certainly there's a junior high or high school that could set up, that has room to set up six portables for this group. Um, anyway, that's that's a big top, topic in itself. And then next week I'm going to to uh, visit one of the charter schools so that I can learn more about it. Because I think there's a real misconception between those that know about the charter schools and what the teachers are being told. Because the teachers, many cases have, some of the teachers have a very negative attitude about them. And what I'm hearing from them is just completely the opposite. So I, I wish most teachers, instead of complaining, would go search these schools out and check into them and not listen to, to the rumors. But anyway, there's, I'm staying busy with it every day on top of my own work, uh, my own profession. And there's just, it's like every week something new comes up that I can discover and learn about. Yeah, I think the, the important takeaway from that, what, what I hear you saying is that you are not waiting until you get elected to go in and learn these things. You are digging in now with the anticipation that when you get into the office, you know, you're already going to have a lot of the, the information you need to, to, to be effective in the role. Um, and I think that's, that's what people want to hear. They want to know, like, uh, you know, what's she doing? And, and that's, that's some good insight there. Um, you know, I think the, the, this AMI, I don't know a lot about it. I've heard people talk about it and I know like in general at a high level, what the program is, uh, it ties into a question I get a lot from, um, from from parents and I, I'm seeing some school staff people, you know, getting messages on on the Clay County Beacon Facebook page and comments here and there on on posts that we do um, uh, around mental health um, help for students and, and children in the county. Um, I, I I'll admit to you that I have not done a lot of research on it, so I don't know what the resources are. But what they want to know, they've asked specifically about this school board race. Um, would mental health and, and ensuring that mental health resources are available to students who need it, would that be something that would be a priority for you as you're looking into the way the county spends money and, and where those funds go? Like what, what's your stance on um, the role of the school district in terms of caring for the mental health of its students? Well, I, I think it goes back to just basic common sense. I mean, if the teachers or headmen are picking up on something that's not the norm, then we need to reach out to those parents or parent or guardian and let's see what we can do to seek medical assistance, uh, the proper medical assistance. And I, you know, teachers can only be trained so much and there's a lot of things that are misdiagnosed between teachers and the medical profession. So it's more a case of let's, obviously it is a priority that, that they are, that they get the help they need and early on, but um, we've got to get it diagnosed properly to begin with. Right, and I think that's 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 important too. Um, the uh, I think we tend to, and I say we as uh, an American society, we tend to put the same sort of pressures on teachers. 
uh, that we do on police officers, meaning that, that we give them way too many roles to wear. Um, our educators in Clay County are amazing. They do a wonderful job across the board. I, I don't, I don't, I think you'd be hard pressed to find a large group of educators who, who as a whole do better than the ones that we have. Um, but they're human beings and, and there's only so many hours in a day. And, and there is an element to, to teaching where, where you have a lot of students, even, even though we, you know, as, as a state and a County, they try to limit class sizes. There's only so much one human being can do, right? There's only so many hats one person can wear. There's only so many things you can do within the time that you have with those students. And I, and I think that expanding the role of <clears throat> the teacher to also have to account for the mental health and safety of, of every possible mental health issue that could pop up for students. I don't know that that's reasonable, right? In the same way yeah, that it's not reasonable to, to have, you know, a police force that, that is expected to help people who are mentally ill when they encounter them, right? Like we should have a more robust set of resources within um, whatever entity is going to be in charge of those things, um, you know, to help people out and, and to pile more pressure on the teachers. And, and we've seen that this year. We've seen, you know, teachers in Clay County right now are being expected to teach in the classroom and teach online at the same time. Um, yeah, I and, don't know and how they're doing it. I don't know how they're doing it either. Like, you know, I hear, and I'm hearing stories coming out of the teachers in the county that, you know, teachers are, um, there, there's something, there's three or four pages deep worth of instructional positions open to be filled in the county. And there are teachers in the county right now actively talking about as of the end of this nine week semester, you know, uh, term that they are not going to teach anymore. They're leaving the profession because of mm -hmm. the, the, the pressure that's being piled on them. Um, you know, and, and, and it's hard to, it's hard to blame them. Like, uh, you know, it's hard to look at a teacher and say, you know, you have to do all these things and, and do them successfully and, and cater to state standards and all these other things. Um, you hit on one thing, charter schools. I want to talk about that a little bit. Uh, charter schools, um, I think are highly misunderstood by a lot of people. Um, some people think that they are, you know, the end all be all in terms of rectifying public education, government education. Other people think that they are literally the thing that's going to crumble the entire government education system. I think somewhere in the middle, you know, is the truth as the, as with most things. Um, I think Clay County has been fortunate um, in terms of we haven't had a lot of charter schools try to open and they have for the most part been successful. I think there's one charter school that wasn't successful in the county and it went belly up and is no longer exists. Yeah. Um, what do you, what do you, um, I guess like based on where you stand now with all the rest, uh, the research that you've done, what do you think an effective use of charter schools would be for Clay County? Uh, boy, that's a tough one. Yeah, it is. I asked myself, I, I've had, I've asked that, that question to many people and even to myself and I don't know, I don't know that there's a good answer, but I'm always curious to know, like, do you, do you, I mean, I, let me step back a, a, a level and say, is your overall view of charter schools positive or negative? Positive. Yeah, me too. I think that it leans towards positive. Um, and I mean, for, for so many students to be on a waiting list and want to go, I think that says a lot. Um, and, you know, obviously, everybody's comes from a very diverse background, uh, experiences, and in a sense, we have to do our education as well that way. But it's the same way at the top when we talk about not everybody should go to college. Right. Uh, it's the same situation. I mean, we need to have more vocational training that has them ready the day they leave high school, whether it's being a framer or 
uh, working on air conditioners. I mean, those were things that when I was growing up, you had that opportunity. Just like when my mother was growing up, what she learned in high school is what they now touch on in college. So things have changed. I think the, the charter schools, there's a big misconception. I, I know with the St. John's uh, Classical Academy, it actually is like 80 cents on the dollar of what a public school costs to run. I don't understand, and hopefully I'll find out a lot more, I don't understand if it's a state law to have a police at every school, why there's not a police officer there, and they apparently have to, to fund that. Um, there's a lot of little things that I haven't learned yet that I'm, I'm trying to delve into, but the true classical uh, part of it is not generally what you see in the public schools anymore. Um, I think they teach at this particular school, they teach that, that basically America is exceptional. They don't teach that America is better. They teach that it's exceptional in what it's done in, in our short history. Right. And um, so that people won't grow up like we see now hating this country. I mean, there's something wrong with our youth when we're seeing what we see on the on the news every night. So we've got to we've got to find out where the misinformation is and find a better way to teach and get people back on the on the right track. But we shouldn't be fighting between ourselves as to, to which is the better school. We need to realize that you know, this this student prefers going over here, that's great. But this other student may want to go to another school, whether it be charter or public, that's okay. We've got to have choices. Yeah, and I, and I think in my experience, what I have seen, the biggest detractors of private schools are people outside of the school system who stand to make money off of the school system, specifically um, uh, a group that I love to, to, to look at and analyze and sort of people accuse me of picking on them, the teachers unions, right? Teachers mm -hmm. unions hate, they hate charter schools. Now nationwide, you have some issues with charter schools. There have been some charter schools open, even in the state of Florida and other places, not in Clay County and in other states where, you know, some private entities have opened schools and managed to sort of pilfer public funds, right? So you can make some arguments that charter schools nationwide are not perfect. And I can't disagree, but I truly believe, I firmly believe that the, the big bone to pick with charter schools that the teachers unions have is that they don't have control of those schools and they don't have as much say to dictate to those schools how they're going to run and operate. They don't have as much power. Therefore they see it as a threat to their overall power. Therefore charter schools bad. Right. Um, yeah, you're right on and, with that. and I don't, you know, I understand the point of teachers unions. I get what they're trying to do. I am very much firmly in the camp being against public sector unions in general. Um, and, and I don't, I don't want to waste uh, your time on that. Uh, but you know, I, I just think that charter schools are maligned by certain people for certain reasons that aren't necessarily uh, what I would deem intellectually honest, right? So it's good to see that we have a candidate running that's going to come in, not necessarily say, oh, charter schools are the best thing ever. We should do lots and lots of them, but also isn't saying like they suck. We should never do anymore, right? Like sounds right. like you have an open mind um, and you're willing to, to look, you know, take an honest look at them and, and determine. Um, well, even if, if parents want to homeschool, I support that. You know, it, we've got to have choices. 
mean, yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I actually, uh, uh, this is a very radical opinion, uh, in comparison to most people. I don't think that the government should be able to legally tell people that they even have to send children to school. I don't think that the government should force you to hand your children over to them for six to eight hours a day, every day, uh, especially with the relative low level of input and oversight that parents actually have, uh, mm -hmm. in the school systems. I have a big problem with that sort of a taxation without representation kind of a deal. Um, but, but yeah, we got to have, if, if you're going to tell me I have to send my child to you, uh, you better, you better do everything that you can to meet the needs of my child. And that's what public schools are, or excuse me, charter schools are that, that is, a cry from parents saying, you aren't meeting the needs of our children. We want mm -hmm. another option, right? And and if managed correctly, I think they can be a wonderful asset to the public school system. So another thing and I want to... Oh. Let me add real quick yes, to that. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Sure. Yeah, no worries. Um, I, I, I would just want to clarify this on Orange Park Elementary. We had a small debate at the Federated Women's uh, Group. But anyway, it is a my understanding it's a magnet school although the, the parents there will tell you it's a concept school but i think the point i was trying to make is that it's run like a charter school because if i happen to live in that area i can't go take my child up and enroll them in orange park elementary Correct. it's a lot yep. i mean it's, it's it's run like a charter school so and years ago yes it was successful but they still tried to shut it down so anyway i just wanted to clarify that because i know people are uh saying silly things and just so if anybody hears that they'll know that i at least understand what it is so yeah Moving definitely and, and and just to add one other thing on top of that i, I think like with magnet schools and charter schools the instead of being hostile towards those schools when they're successful, the school district should look at them and say, what are they doing successfully and how do we replicate exactly. it? And we yeah. should do that with the traditional government schools that you are successful. It. How do we take the success that we see here, you know, at, at X school and, you know, recreate that across A, B, C, D, E, F schools that we right. have that maybe aren't as successful. Right. So right. Yeah, totally agree. Because overall, I mean, I don't know. I hear people every day at every meeting I go to, our schools are being dumbed down. I mean, what they're learning, it's not practical, practical to everyday life. Uh, they're learning things that are incorrect. There's a lot of hatred. Somehow we've got to get that back and start educating the students correctly because it certainly isn't all coming from home. Yeah, and that's a shame too. You know, we could, we could talk all day about, you know, parents need to sort of, not all parents, I'm listen parents listening to this podcast, if you're doing a good job with your kids and you're involved in their lives, you know, don't get upset. But there are, I mean, listen, it is a fact that there are parents right now who have children who are attending school, who are not doing a thing outside of the kid going to school to help that child become a functional human being and adult, right? They are relying right. entirely on the school system and it shouldn't be that way, right? You yeah. know, and I, I'm I not- I few of them, but, it, it, but you're right. Yeah, yeah the majority of parents are doing a great job, but there's a, yeah. there's a handful that, you know, uh, it's the same, you know, I make the same comparison. I go to a church, right? I go to church every Sunday. I know for certain that there are parents who don't teach their kids a thing about God uh, outside of what their Sunday school class teaches them every Sunday, right? And that's a shame. Like it, it yeah. the primary responsibility for the education and welfare and well-being of child is that child's parents. Now, child doesn't have parents, like there's a different situation. I get it. I'm not vilifying anybody, but you know, uh, in a healthy society, parents take responsibility for their kids and they're leading the charge to help them grow in the way that they should. So, um, 
Yeah. So we'll leave it at that, right? So yeah. let's talk about uh, the half cent sales tax that's on the ballot for November. Um, I'll sort of preface what I think about it just because everyone sort of presses me on this. Uh, I think that it's a bad idea. Um, and my main reason for thinking it's a bad idea is the length of the sales tax. I think a 30 year tax is unreasonable, right? I don't think any, any sitting school board should tax what essentially would be the next three generations of taxpayers, um, with any sort of tax measure at all. Um, you've been very vocal in your opposition of the sales tax. So I just want to give you a chance to, since this is coming up on the ballot, your election's coming up on the ballot. I know there's a ton of people like me who are looking at this tax going, what in the world is the school district thinking? Outline for, for the folks, you know, listening, what your stance is and what your opposition is to that, uh, half cent sales tax. Well, uh, I was surprised when we did our debates before there were actually two people, everybody was for it except me, but there were two people that were for it, yet they had not even looked at the budget. And not that I have all of the budget, but I have pieces enough to know that, um, I think we touched on it earlier, a lot of it is for the new schools to be built and for the maintenance. And we question why hasn't that, you know, where is that money gone for maintenance? And we, we have to go to the present school board and over the last 10 years or so and, and ask that. Uh, as far as the schools, we keep forgetting that with growth comes new revenue. So overall, I think the money is there. Now, it doesn't mean that in two months, I'll learn more information and find out, well, maybe, maybe in fact, it's not there. But like you, yeah, the 30 year is, is outrageous to begin with. And I'm really, um, I'm a, if it comes to any type of tax, I'm a consumption person. I don't believe we should be paying income tax. I think we should be paying it on the goods that we purchase. So I'm not against sales tax, but right now with this economy and the number of people that are hurting, uh, to ask for another tax, for the school board to put another tax on the citizens is a bit much. You know, we had the millage rate for the school police, and it, it's just, it's overwhelming. And I think that the bottom line is why I'm against it is I believe the money is coming in the new revenue, and I think we can very easily find money for the maintenance. So it's just a case of what bucket we can pull from. We know that we're heavy and overhead uh, since Davis came in. And I know my opponent mentioned 17 positions that had to be filled. We needed an experienced person to fill that. So I can guarantee you maybe three or four of those are needed, but not all 17. And folks are getting paid far more than people five years ago, 10 years ago. 10's too far, but even going back five, I mean, the amount of salary that's being paid is just much more than anybody was being paid before. So we've got a lot of a lot of things to look at and uh i'm just gonna stick to my guns and oppose the sales tax yeah and and yeah it's it's just just for the record it, it, nothing you said was incorrect but but I, for anybody listening the the school board has increased the property taxes once in a special tax for uh the clay county school district police department 
Uh, last year, they increased the the millage rate, the general millage rate that they they levy taxes against, and they did it this year again. So we're talking this half cent sales tax will be, you know, the fourth tax increase in two years from the school district. And the first, you know, actually the second, because they increased their, their millage rate again this year, they have, they've approved it, I believe. Either they have approved it or they will approve it at their next board meeting. Um, so we're talking two tax increases since the economic downturn uh, from the coronavirus, right? Like, b- believe what you want about the coronavirus, whether you think it's deadly, not deadly. The coronavirus and the government response to it across the world um, has absolutely caused a devastating economic downturn across much of the globe. Um, and in that time, the school board, the current sitting school board, unanimously, every single one of them have voted to increase your taxes uh, once by putting this, uh, you know, by uh, appro- increasing their millage rate. And then now they've asked you to approve uh, you, the people, the voters to improve another tax increase. And I just think like, it's like you said, it's just amazing to me that, um, that, that they're doing that. And to go back to the point that you made about salaries, it's no secret to anybody who's working in the school district right now, uh, that when Addison Davis came in, he, he created a bunch of administrative overhead positions and he hired a lot of people that he knew and brought in people from Duval. He, you know, uh, a lot of, to started to import people from Duval County into Clay County. And some of those people may be good folks, right? And I don't claim to know all of them, but if you look at the Duval County school district and the Clay County school district for all the, Holes that I poke at what the Clay County School District and the school board are doing, they're heads and shoulders better top down than the Duval County School District. So, um, you know, it encouraged me to hear you or anybody else come and say, like, listen, we're going to look at all this stuff that was done and, and nothing is set in stone. And and it sounds like you're, you're going to do what you think is the right thing, regardless of, you know, how it may have been done differently in the past. Well, so. it, it takes a little bit of work, but I'm willing I'm willing to do it. I'm not going to sit on my hands. So. Yeah. And, and, you know, we do have, you know, people want to talk about the, the sitting board members, um, you know, some of them, one of them, uh, and everybody knows who's, who she is, is cried as sort of this champion of, of being a Republican and the rest of them are accused of being, you know, sort of Republicans in name only, whatever. Um, but again, just, just to make the point so people hear it, unanimously, your school board has voted to increase your taxes four times in the last two years. You know, every single one of them voted yes on it every time. So, you know, they, you have a group of school board members currently who are just saying whatever tax comes up, they, they seem to want it and want to approve it. So, um, I want to talk a little bit about, um, a thing that, that is, you know, speaking of coronavirus and the economic downturn, there's a lot of clamor right now from parents. If you go to the school districts, um, social media pages, people are, are begging for some sort of data on coronavirus cases within the schools in the County. People want a dashboard. Um, they want to be able to see what's going on. Where do you stand on that? How, how much uh, information do you think it's healthy for the school district to give to people in the county about the coronavirus cases in the schools as we've opened up this school year with with kids on campus? Well, I think if, if the citizens want it, the parents want it, uh, I, I don't see anything wrong with making that information available. I think the, the question I would have is, even with the media, I have a problem when I say the number of people that have tested positive. Well, how many of those have tested positive are sick versus being a carrier? Right. We have that with everything. So as long as the information is accurate, if the if the majority of the citizens want to see it and want to know, I don't have a problem with that. But I think the big thing we have to do is uh, 
keep people from panicking and getting hysterical. And I have heard it from both ends. In fact, I had one, when I told one lady that, yes, I was for the students going back to school and, and having a somewhat normal life again, uh, I was asked if I was willing to take the liability for you know, the students that would die and that with all our new school buses, our hundred new school buses, that they could instead be used for morgues uh, with the new air with new air conditioning. And uh, you know, I just how extreme and ridiculous can you get? So um, anyway, there are people out there that are just crazy. There's no other way to put it. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, we've, all, we've all got to calm down, and we've got to to look for the right facts and we you know people want more information i'm for it so and, let's and, just let it be accurate information yeah and and i don't think you know i've not heard anyone say that uh i've never heard you say that coronavirus this coronavirus is not a serious thing it's not something to measure and be aware of right, right. um it does have an a an over 99% survival rate, right? You know, Correct. Um, it is something to be aware of and people have suffered and died and are still doing so from this, this, uh, you know, this virus. And, and I'm not trying to downplay that in the least, but, you know, looking at facts, uh, you know, children are less prone to the disease, to the, the sort of terrible right. end of the spectrum of the disease. So, yeah. you know, people come with emotional pleas saying things like, you know, are we going to turn our buses into morgues? Like I just, it, it doesn't hold any, to me, it doesn't hold any weight because it's not based in facts. It's not based in science. I, I think we should be aware of it. I do think the, the, the school district should give some data. Um, you know, I do think that the school district is doing some things that don't make a whole lot of sense in, as a response to the coronavirus. One being the whole closed campus policy, right? You, as a parent, you've been told, I have been told as a parent of a daughter who's in school, I cannot go onto a campus um, at all. My daughter must go, she must attend, I must give her over to the government to go to their government schools, but I'm not allowed to have uh, any interaction or be on school property at all. There have been some instances, not at my daughter's school, not with me personally, but instances where people are reporting that something happens and their, you know, their fifth grader uh, forgets their lunch, or maybe the parent forgets to put the fifth graders lunch in their backpack or something. Right. And they normally bring their lunch and buy their lunch. The parent comes to the school, the school tells them they have to sign a waiver, which uh, relinquishes the uh, right to the parent to hold the school district accountable. Should they or their child contact the coronavirus? I'm curious to know, or do you believe that, are you in favor of forcing parents to sign a waiver to have any sort of access to their children's schools, um, it, you know, in, 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 pertain, in, in particular pertaining to the coronavirus? Do you believe that the school district has a right to force parents to relinquish rights to hold the school district accountable? Well, are they making them sign that when the child goes to school in the morning? I mean, they just left that parent. Right. I mean, it's, it's all about liability. And I just, you know, I think it's ludicrous. Yeah, I and believe it's ludicrous. Also, I still think, and I, I was concerned for the first day of school with the kindergartners going in. Now they're wearing a mask. Their their teacher, who they barely know, is wearing a mask. You know, they can't see a, a smiling face, a happy face, and a lot of kindergartners aren't adjusted the first day, and they're very upset. And to think that a parent couldn't. You know, take them in and be there and for their first day and take that picture. I just, 
I think we're going way overboard with too much of this. That's where we've got, I was saying about the, we've just got to calm things down and get the right information out there. I think, you know, I don't, I don't know what the reasoning is for signing the waiver, but I would definitely be against it. Yeah. And I, I get the logic of, of not having people who have nothing to do with a particular school being there, right? Like I don't have a student at Middleburg high school. If I show up to Middleburg high school, they're going to tell me, Hey, you can't be That's here. Right. Like, why are you yeah. here anyway? Right. Yeah. But yeah. a parent going to their child's school, my, their logic doesn't hold water in my opinion. If their, their logic is stated in their, their social media post and, and the school board meetings, the school board members have said this, well, we don't want, if the parents have been around the coronavirus, we don't want those germs to come to campus yet. 90% of the time, who do those children go home to at the end of the day? They go home to their parents. If their parents have yeah. the coronavirus germs, the kids are going to get exposed. Yeah, so, they just left that parent in the morning. What's the difference? Yeah, They're and I don't... taking that sign in the morning. I mean, it's just, it's the same thing. It's right. silly. And, and I just think that, yes, there should be precautions in place to try to reasonably protect people from the coronavirus. You do social distancing. Asking kids to wear a mask, eh, you know, I don't know. Asking the teachers to wear a mask, I get that. They're employees. They're paid to be there. Um, you know, uh, so, but I just think it has to be based in logic that is sound and, and it has to be based in, in some sort of facts. And I just, I don't think the closed campus policy is, is, uh, well thought out. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. It's um, jumping to hysteria too quickly. Where do you stand on kids wearing masks? There was a lot of, uh, you know, consternation over that when the school board voted on it a, a couple months back or a month or so ago. Well, you know, for me, it's personal liberty. And I think we have common sense that we ought to use. And I think the the parents ought to have a choice. I mean, they know whether they've been out of the state or uh, generally around people that have it. Um, I just, I don't think it should be mandated. I think that's when we begin to lose our liberties when we start to, to mandate some of the stuff that is just in my way of thinking overkill. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I'm the only one that thinks that way. I know that in the debate, but I will stick to that. I'm just, I see it as just another liberty that, that we're losing where we continue to open the door and come in and, and government control. That's just me. That's who I am. Yeah. And, and let's just, you know, uh, I'll say this. I'm not expecting you to chime in on it, but your opponent is a person who, if you look at her record, she has a, a penchant to um put out the belief that parents should do what the school board says no matter what the school board and the government is smarter than you um you know smarter than you parent and parent you ought to do what the school board says because the school board knows better which you know don't even get me started on that like you know my, my famous saying i tell people all the time is never believe for a minute that anyone at any level of government is any smarter than the average citizenry. Like we, we elect, you know, from the po general populace, those are the people that get elected into these offices, just the ones that are willing to work, to run for office. So um, it's good to hear somebody stand up and say, you know, the government doesn't have a right to restrict, you know, every liberty it can to save people from a virus with a nine, over a plus 99% survival rate. People should be educated and smart enough to to manage their own risk. I personally, when I go places and I don't feel comfortable, I have a mask with me. There are times I wear a mask. There are other places that I go that I'm reasonably sure I don't need to wear a mask and I don't wear it. And I think that, you know, in schools and everywhere else should be the case. Um, do you, so there was a, let me sort of ask you an off the wall question here. Um, 
there was a, a conversation that was had during a school board meeting about um, allowing teachers to test uh, children's temperatures and and essentially kick kids out of class um, and and uh, you know send them to the nurse and not let them come back until they didn't have a temperature anymore um, and and the board was sort of split on whether or not they thought that that was appropriate or inappropriate. Would you be in favor of allowing teachers to to check kids' temperatures and, and sort of make a medical diagnosis with no training and, and boot them from class, or would you be for or against that? Well, first of all, I wonder, and I'm sorry I don't know this answer, but are the teachers being tested every morning when they come in? That's a great question. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but secondly, uh, what what did we do before the coronavirus? You know, if, if, if did we wait for them to tell us, oh, I'm not feeling well, and then send them to the nurse to be checked out and then sent home or the parent called? It shouldn't be any different than what we normally did. Yeah, and that's where I land um, on it, too. I think if you check a, child, a child's temperature in the middle of class and then they have a fever and you announce to the whole class that you're sending so-and-so to the uh, – nurse's office or wherever, you know, whatever the normal procedure is, I think you've violated possibly, and I'm no lawyer, but it, 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 I would worry that, that you have violated that child's HIPAA rights. You know, there is a law in place that says that you can't just broadcast people's medical problems without their consent. I think the flip side, what you just said, when a child says, Hey, I don't feel right. Uh, I need to go to the nurse. They're deciding to make that known, right? It's their choice to sort of tell everybody like something, something's off with me. And I feel like I need to get checked out. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not for that. Also that, that goes back to what I talked about earlier. I think that's actually an undue burden on teachers. I, I don't think okay. that they've got too much to do as it is. Yeah. How can you, how can you possibly expect a teacher to do all that and then still effectively teach in their classroom? Um, and, you know, and God love the teachers in the County. Like I'll say it again, like I'm critical of the teachers union. I'm critical of the school board and, and just sort of general policies and structures. But like, like I said, you know, I got nothing but love for the teachers, um, in Clay County. Um, one last thing I wanted to talk to you about. Um, there is there is some concern amongst people that are that are talking that if certain uh, if the school board structure sort of stays the same way as for, in terms of the people who are on the board currently, um, that the matter of an elected versus an appointed superintendent will come up again, um, and it's come onto the ballot twice. I'm pretty sure, and it's been sort of rejected pretty soundly each time. Uh, I think we talked about this in the first interview that you and I did. I just want to give you a chance to reiterate. Where do you stand on appointed versus elected superintendent? Uh, I would definitely say elected. I My fear with the appointed, and I know that the surrounding counties do it different, and they think we're crazy because we're different, but you get back into special favors. When you've got a small board like this, um, it's just too easy for certain board members, whether it's three or however many, to say, okay, you know, I welcome this particular uh, superintendent over another, this candidate, because they know they've talked privately, you know, this on the school board, this is the agenda they want, and they wanna make sure that that agenda gets passed. So it's back to, and I know that's politics, not, not the, it's a horrible thing we'll never get rid of, but the favors and um, the paybacks, you know, behind the closed doors, that's what I have a real problem with regarding appointments. It's just, it needs to be back to the citizens to decide. 
Unfortunately, we don't have a lot of citizens that pay attention. And that's going to be my biggest problem in this general election. Uh, we need more people that do their research before they fill in a circle on a ballot. But um, I still think it belongs in the hands of the citizens. We can't take that right away from them. Yeah, I agree. I think any position that has um, final say or oversight into how public funds are spent um, should be in a point or should be an elected position, not appointed. Right. Um, the the one of the big things that the school board has tried to sell, uh, the school district has tried to sell over the last uh, four or five years now is that uh, that they are at the mercy of the state in terms of the, ov the overall dollar amount of the school district budget. And it's just not true. The, the school board or the school district's budget is set by the superintendent and his office, and it comes to the board for approval or rejection. Um, and and I, I don't want to have a scenario where the guy who is deciding how much money they're going to take from people, um, it really is the superintendent in his office that decide that, um, or at least propose it to be approved by the board, I don't want that office to be one where I don't have a say in it every so often, right? Uh, I don't want to have to essentially go through an intermediary, which would be the school board to decide who that person is. So until that changes and the, you know who sets the budget is is different, then then I'm not I'm not on board with an appointed superintendent. That does lead me to uh, another question: um, Do you feel that it is the school board's job to analyze and scrutinize and have a say in how school district funds are spent? I know some people would disagree with me and state that that's not the policy of the school board, but I feel that we have that responsibility to the citizens. We have to. Who, who's going to do it otherwise? I mean, we've got a massive amount of money that's getting ready to come into this county, and if it's really all about the kids, then, and it has to be all about the kids, uh, we've got to make sure that money is spent correctly and not frivolously we've just we've got to be fiscally responsible that's all so somebody's got to keep an eye on it and i know i in my opinion st john's has been even though they have growing pains i think they've been a lot more responsible with the funds that they have received but they're also in a better position with sales tax and, and tourist tax but we've got to work on that as a as a county and how we plan i mean i still say oak leaf is a is a disaster. We've got 90% of the homes uh, in clay and we've got 95% um, of the commercial industry in Duke. So all the citizens in clay, their sales tax is going to Duval. I mean, how crazy is that? Yeah, it's pretty wild. Yeah, that, that, and that brings, you know, another point I talked about with the uh, county commissioner candidates during the primaries is like, I'm looking for people who, are, yes, housing is great. Like we should build new neighborhoods and bring new people in, but where are the jobs? Like where are the high paying good jobs? You know, uh, they're all in Duval County. They're all in St. John's County. There's not yeah. a lot in Clay County right now. Uh, you know, so I, I'm, I'm looking forward to some of the, the new blood on the uh, county commissioners, uh, you know, board of county commissioners bringing, bringing some of that stuff in, bringing a different perspective there. But yeah, I, I agree with you. I do believe it is a school board's job to scrutinize and have oversight over the budget. And, and, you know, if you have the ability to approve it, which the school board does, they can approve or reject a budget presented by a superintendent, um, then they should, they should understand it and 
look at it and make sure that things are being spent responsibly. So, you know, it's been a really good conversation. I appreciate, you know, taking time out of your, your day here, even though it is sort of a gloomy day outside with not a lot, not a lot else to do. Uh, tell people how they can get more information about you and how they can get more information about the events that you'll be at over the next month and a half or so. Well, uh, the Facebook page, hopefully those that are on social media, they can take a look at. Uh, electbethclark at gmail.com is my email. Uh, I think Elect Beth Clark is the uh, Facebook page. And then my office number, although I'm not in it very much because I'm out trying to learn more, uh, is 904-264-4499. And I, you know, please leave a message. I will get back to you. But Facebook, we're going to try to keep as events come up because uh, we don't have a lot of time left. But we're going to try to post all the events far enough ahead that hopefully I'll get the chance to meet people individually and we can talk and share ideas. And because it's a learning process and it should remain a learning process for the however however many terms, one term, two terms that I'm that I'm in. But. Uh, Anyway, it's been great talking to you, Josh. And I do hope people will do their research. And the whole point of this is to return professionalism to the board. And uh, we want to be forward thinking. We want fresh eyes to uh, to be involved, especially with the growth coming and then to address the problems that we've got. But we've got to be fiscally responsible. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. Cool. Well, I appreciate it. I will put your uh, campaign Facebook page in the show notes. So if you're listening to this show uh, and you're, you're popping it up on your social media feed, you'll see the links there. We'll have it all there so you can find out more information about Beth Clark. Uh, and, you know, Ms. Clark, I'll tell you what I tell everyone. Uh, thank you for spending time with me, and I wish you best of luck at the polls. Thank you, Josh. Appreciate it.